and it will be Saturday night in Death Valley. What's up, everybody? Welcome to our inaugural episode of Louisiana Saturday Night. I am Bradley Schneller, and I have with me, I'm going to go with Coach Shane okay. Moore. I'll <laughs> take we still, that. We still do you, Coach? Yeah, I think it's kind of like once you're, you're president, they always refer to you as president. Once you coach anything, you just always refer to as coach. So I feel like we just need to tell the listeners real quick, like your coaching experience. So uh, people know what's up and we got the right, street. So, so 20 years plus of coaching high school football from 1A to 5A, the Catholic League on the public side, the private side, um, multiple state championship appearance, uh, state championship. Um, so I guess I've been there, been in the big lights. I've seen it. I know what it's like to coach against a lot of these guys at this level that are at this next level and, and seen a, seen a bunch over the last 20 years. So hopefully that's some level of expertise that I'll bring to, uh, you got to bridge the gap between. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna ask you to talk shit about Arch. So don't worry. No, no, he's a great <laughs> kid. I loved. I loved coaching him um, on that team for a year. So it was a great experience. He's a great kid. Um, but hopefully, I'm gonna bring sort of uh, expertise, but not talk to you in technical terms, so that you're like, what is this guy talking about? Yeah, I feel that, and I'm just a fan. Fan who likes to talk a lot of shit. So yeah, how many <laughs> chat boards are you banned from? Uh, I am born banned from Tiger Droppings. That is true. I've been banned for 20 years now. For some reason, they find every IP address I've ever had and will not let me in. But good, good for you. Good for you. <laughs> so that's why I'm an excellent candidate for this podcast. Yes, but yes. Let's get rolling, man. So last yeah. year, super surprise. Uh, like they definitely exceeded my expectations. I thought, um, it was actually a lot of fun. I thought last year was a ton of fun. Yeah, I think anytime you have that year where a little different than this year, right? You're, you're there's a level of expectation now. So any hiccup along the way, and it's like doomsday. Whereas last year there was no expectation, so you just enjoyed the ride. Yeah, it's fun. Actually, funny thing you say that. Um, I was actually on an SEC message board. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 currently banned and currently banned and uh alabama was talking about how like this is going to be the most exciting year of football they've had in a while because they don't know what the what to think they could yeah, be good they, got a lot they of might not marks. be good they yeah got a so you just marks. enjoy the ride and if you lose a couple and you just sort of chalk it up like this was a rebuilding year as, as much as whatever that word means for a program like that but uh you just enjoy the ride and i think anytime there is that just insane level of expectations. And, and look, every year we expect or want to win the national championship, right? I mean, that's, that's why they do this. But when you're not sort of in that preseason conversation, when you are, you're extra surprised. And you're like, wow, this is awesome. And if you're not, you're not. It doesn't ruin your week, right? you know, when, when yeah. you lose. So As opposed to like the less miles years where I thought we were supposed to win the national championship every year. I don't know why I thought that, but I did. Well, that's the fan in you. You were younger. uh, You know, it was just, it was purple and gold every week. If it didn't win, it was the, you were in a bad mood till the next Friday. So, yeah. So overall expectations. Um, uh, you know, look, we're in the conversation, right? We're in that, that small group in preseason and don't get me started on preseason polls, right? That's a, it's the most ridiculous thing to me. You just sort of go off of who's got returning coaches, who's got returning quarterback and who's, uh, you know, got the, the best brand name. And those are your top 10 just, you know, before even, it doesn't even give a team like Tulane who like last year comes out of nowhere, like 
you can't even get those teams in conversations, you know? So anyway, that's a preseason. That's a different st- conversation. Um, I, I expect us to be there at the end at the, you know, in, in the conversation, uh, the schedule is a little bit tougher than people might seem at the, when you first glance at it, I think, but, um, I, I'm looking, I think for, and just improvement from year one to year two at the quarterback position, uh, the coaching staff, uh, as a whole special teams, um, and, and kind of see how that, you know, they improve from just y- year one to year two and then week to week. Yeah. The schedule is pretty crazy. You know, after, after we like do this hard fought game with Florida state to kick off the season, we, we get a little bit of a break or like a, a warm up before SEC play. And then it's right into it. Two games right into SEC play on the road. Um, it's interesting. We start out with Mississippi state. I, one of my favorite games ever for LSU was uh, an away game to kick off the season at Mississippi state on a Thursday night. It's like one of the only times we've ever played on a Thursday night. Uh, and I remember Eric Le- Reed just leveled some dude on the sideline, like into the next universe. It right. was Awesome. Were you, was um, that back in the band days? Uh, no, it was post band days. Okay. So it was post band watching. days. I was just uh, watching. But yeah, to your point, I mean, you 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 have this top ten matchup um, to start, and then you, you get an in-state opponent, which obviously will be heavily favored, um, and then you're right into three road games out of the first four SEC games. Yeah, that's pretty, tough. Like it's still the tough. SEC. Like. Um, you know, Mississippi State, again, are we going to be favored in all these games? Yeah, probably. But that doesn't mean that back-to-back road games in the SEC isn't tough. Now, you know, we talked about overall expectations for the year. One one of the things that I'm looking forward to is last year we had in a ton of transfers, right? Like we hit the transfer portal hard. Team was young. We were pretty depleted. We didn't even have like our full allotment of scholarships to on the roster last year. Uh, and so what I think you saw last year was a lot of inconsistency. Like the team could play. Like they get up for a game, they could play. But we had that inconsistency there, which showed its head. Really, like Arkansas shouldn't have been in that game with us. They were. You know, we got shellacked at Texas A&M, which was a big time disappointment where we just kind of ran out of gas at the end of the season. So for this year, I'm looking forward to what we should see a lot more consistency week to week. Well, I think that's why there's so much hype on this team, right? We, you got the coaching staff, which is relatively intact from last year that had the full off season, right. To work with the same group of guys who all came back. Now, of course we do have some transfers still, but not nearly as many as the first year, you know, with, with Kelly and that staff. So I think that's why there's so much hype. You've got a nucleus of people uh, back from coaching staff to players. You insert a few transfers. Um, you should see a ton more improvement and, and more uh, cohesiveness, I think, between quarterback and receivers, you know, th- those type of things that just takes time to, to develop. Right. So in terms of Brian Kelly, we talked about overall expectations. What are you looking forward to with Brian Kelly, especially from a coaching perspective? Well, look, there's a lot of pressure on him right now, right? And it's the whole year two thing. You got the women's basketball year two, then baseball year two. So there's this sort of phantom uh, thing about year two coaches. Uh, is that realistic? I don't know to put that kind of pressure on a year two coach. This would be and, the hardest one for yeah, sure. Yeah, in anything, right? I don't care what sport or what school, yeah. like just to come in in year two, turn it around to that point. Um, I think, uh, look, I like Brian Kelly because I think he's just the right kind of coach that LSU needs. 
Um, and I like the fact that like his coordinators, you know, are, are back. So you got this whole nother year. I just looking for the team as a whole, just to take that next step. Right. You, 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 you took a few little ones last year and then you, you know, you'd win in Alabama and then you lose to Mississippi, uh, Texas A&M. Sorry. You, you can't do that this year. Right. And, and I do, I think, I think everything starts at the top. I'm not saying he did anything poorly, but he's got to find a way every week to get the team ready to play that next game. And that's sort of what I'm looking for from this coaching staff. Can they, can they get these guys ready week in and week out, which is tough, especially in the sec. Yeah. I mean, and that leads me to Jaden Daniels, right? Like Jaden Daniels, you know, he had, he was up and down last year. Some games he played really well where he slung the ball pretty hard, you know, uh, down the field, also had the wheels going. This year, I think we're all hoping as fans, you know, that we he finds his receivers downfield a lot more. What kind of step do you see him or do you think he's capable of taking this year? Based I, off of what you saw last I, year. I certainly think he's capable. He's got all the tools. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, I think what you saw last year was just the product of transfer in, new system for him, new receivers, uh, just that cohesiveness that takes time to build, the trust. It's not that maybe he didn't want to throw that ball sometimes and then he would take off running. It was that, and I just don't trust that that guy's going to make the play yet or he's going to be in the right spot where I want to put it. You'll see that this year. Talk about a whole spring, a whole summer, seven on sevens. You know, throw the ball and let these guys make a play and trust how, that they'll do that. How much is that in a court? Like you played quarterback, you're an offensive coordinator. Like how much is that in a lot? A quarterback's head, right? Like knowing he's going to be there because he doesn't want to throw the interception. A lot. The trust that that guy's going to be there or that if that throw isn't perfect, he's going to make a play or you know, just that extra quarter second that can he can process something and not just take off running. Not that he's not capable with his feet because he certainly is, and it's certainly a weapon, but, man, maybe that extra quarter second, that 10-yard run turned into a 30-yard touchdown pass, right? Yeah. And I think you'll see that this year. He won't be as quick to just sort of get out of there. Well, when you look at that, like, okay, we talked about his hesitation – to throw the ball downfield. He doesn't have maybe the trust of his, you know, receivers um, or he doesn't trust his receivers. How does that differ for a guy like Garrett Nussmeyer who came in in the SEC championship last year and just let it rip? Um, he's sort of operating a little different. Right? When you, it, it, the, the backup mentality is a whole, like... Like if yeah. he's a starter, he might not be operating. Yeah, way, maybe, right? He's got nothing to lose, right? Hey, I'm the backup or there's an injury or I'm just starting this one game because somebody's out. Like it doesn't really matter if I go throw two or three interceptions and then they're going to bench me, right? That's not going to happen. Right. He's in there. He's sort of the only option. Like let it rip. You yeah. know, there, there's a comfort of like, well, I'm just, I'm just going to sling it. You know, whereas if you're the starter and you got to worry about, well, okay, well, they might bench me or – you know, we got to sort of live to play the next down or the next drive. Um, you know, maybe maybe punting the ball isn't a bad in this situation, whereas and you're a backup. You get in there. The expectations are sort of like, hey, just go out there and have fun. And you do. You sort of just close your eyes and and let your 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 instincts and your talent take over and you just sling it. Yeah. Well, so look, 
right now on DraftKings Sportsbook, okay, we got Caleb Williams at plus 450 to win the Heisman. Jaden mm-hmm. Daniels right behind him at plus 1100. Then you got your boy Quinn Ewers with the sick-ass mullet uh, <laughs> at plus 1500. And then you got Florida State quarterback, uh, well, right even with Quinn Ewers right there at plus 1400. How do you look at – what would it take for Jaden Daniels to win the Heisman this year? Um, one, you need Caleb Williams to not win the Heisman, right? Like, I mean, going back to back, he's got to have it, to prove something. It, to yeah, him. it's, it's certainly tough to do that. Um, but he's going to have to lose it, right? I mean, you'd have to have a Joe Burrow type year where they say, well, I don't really care how good yours was, Caleb Williams. Yeah, like the, you can't deny that, right? If it's right. if it's sort of that kind of it neck and neck. So you need Caleb Williams to not be sensational, um, I think, in my opinion. But you know, look, if you look at everybody's Heisman picks, right, Jaden Daniels is usually around that seven, eight, you know, six type type of pick. But just try, Vegas is no dummy, right? Vegas is no dummy at all. And so for, for them to think that, you know, Jaden Daniels is, and it's probably just on potential, not only for him, but as the team, you know, if, if the team – wins the national championship, or I would say even makes the I think college. you make the playoffs. They yeah, you make, make the, playoffs. the playoffs, and he has an outstanding year, then I think he's got a legitimate shot. Yeah, for it, right? I mean, Caleb Look. Williams did make – USC didn't make the playoffs last year. They did make a, a New Year's Six Bowl, um, but he was still amazing. Now, I'll, I'll give you this stat real quick, though, just to show you where Vegas sort of lies, right? Going into last year, Caleb Williams had had zero snaps for USC, right? He was third and going into week one at plus 700 to win the Heisman behind CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. Yeah. Right. So Vegas is no dummy. Like if you looked at this last year and you're like, oh, this kid hadn't even really taken a snap for USC. You know, he just transferred there. And then so it's Vegas is no dummy. So is he a legitimate contender? Yes. Does he need to push the ball downfield and I think have a better year throwing the ball? Yes. Um, And still make those plays with his feet. But yeah, he's in the conversation. He should be. I think he's got the tools. I think that he has the team around him. Uh, well, so, yeah, I think he's got a legitimate shot at it. And that makes me like this next point is like LSU's offense should be vastly improved from last year. Like we have all the talent, the wide receivers, weapons all over the field. Like Malik Neighbors is yeah. legit, you know, first round draft pick next year or two years from now. I think it's two years from now. I think two for him. Yeah, two years from now. You got uh, an offensive line that should just be yeah. you know, all the time in the world. You know, back there, and so. we had seven running backs because we need them all. Yeah. Who knows when they're actually yeah. going to be ready? And to look, play. you've seen that across. <laughs> like, look, the NFL is dealing with that right now. The value of that one superstar running back is sort of a thing of the past, right? I mean, you need it's a brutal position, and you need three or four or five guys with different skill sets. Yeah, yeah. You know, especially like college uses them in the passing game a lot more than let's say the NFL uses them in pass protection. Um, you know, you, you, you need different skill set guys and put them in situationally. And so we got when you were when you were looking back at last year and you look kind of the way the offense operated, what that they did last year, do you expect more of this year? Um, they were pretty creative, you know, um, I, I like their style of offense. I like how aggressive they are. Um, I expect to see more of that. I expect to see the ball being pushed downfield vertically a lot more. Yeah. Right. Almost back to the sort of the Joe Burrow stuff. Like, you know, look, how, how many times did he just throw the ball? Right. 
that little slot fade and, and, and whether it be Jefferson or, or, or chase, like they just went up and got the ball and you see DBs like turning around, like have no idea where the ball is. Like that's the sort of comfort that I think you'll see this year. And I think as a coordinator, you know, you can only call what your guys can execute. You know, I, we can sit Monday through, through Friday and draw up the coolest plays in the world. Right. And they all work on the whiteboard. In fact, I have, and I've showed yes. you plays on the whiteboard. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's, it's all great. Like every play scores in the coach's office on the whiteboard, but the reality is, is can they go out and do it? You know, my first year, uh, we had a young quarterback at one of the schools I was at a freshman and we would call, you know, four verts, right. Four vertical route passing concept, probably called it like 10 times all year. They just couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. Couldn't read it. It was too young. But by the time it was a junior, and we'd probably call it six, seven times a game. Yeah. Right. It doesn't mean we don't like the play or we don't, you know, you can't sit there as a fan and say, God, why aren't they doing this? Well, there's a reason they're not either the defense is really good at stopping it or we're not very good at executing it. And if you can't execute it against air, you know, on Wednesday's practice, you think I have confidence as a play caller, we're going to go out against a top rated defense and somehow execute it. Yeah. Yeah, But so I, I do think, I think you'll see a lot more vertical passing game. Well, you know, the obvious thing to me would be that Mason Taylor came on real strong last year at tight end. Um, Brian Kelly likes tight ends. He's put a lot in the NFL. Uh, Would your expectations be that Mason Taylor is going to be a star this year? Oh, no, how he's not an All-American, you know, or has that type of year. Um, That position is always the most dynamic on the field, in my opinion. You know, you can have those receivers or that running back or that quote, but the the tight end, when you have a diamond, you see it in the NFL, right? Like the Travis Kelsey's of the world, because you're asking linebackers and safeties to guard those guys. Yeah, defensive are, backs are too small and linebackers yes. are too slow. So it is, if you have a dynamic tight end who can help you in the run game, it's a game changer. It's an absolute game changer. It literally puts, it's like having an extra lineman on the field when you want to run the ball, but then having an extra receiver on when you want to throw it. So yeah. it, it, it is when you have that guy, it is as a play caller, it's the most comforting thing in the world because it asks a defense now to personnel themselves or put the right people on the field based off of down and distance, right? So third and short might be a heavy run situation. So they're going to put extra linebacker on the field and take a, a, a safety off the field or, or you know, a fifth guard nickelback or next other cornerback. Well, that's a great passing situation now, right? Because they got a linebacker who's normally not on the field on the field trying to guard your most dynamic guys tight end. So it's just, it's the best thing in the world. So I look for one. Yes. The coaching staff loves to utilize them and we've got a guy that can do it. Speaking of guarding players, you know, one of my biggest concerns for this upcoming season is LSU's defensive backs, um, which is weird, right? Because it's like I, constantly I know, DBU, in the, right? the uh, conversation for DBU. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, who knows what Denver Harris is going to turn into? You know, he is not going to start for the year. He's going to be a backup, maybe even third string as we start this year off. Um, we got a transfer coming in, uh, playing opposite of Jai Alexander, I think. And, you know, I look at it, though, from an offensive perspective, from your experience, if our defensive backs are kind of mediocre at best, but we have an amazing defensive line and linebackers. We got Harold Perkins, like 
pressure kind of alleviates any type of concern. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like you, if you don't have to cover people that long, then you can sort of have, you know, a, a, a tier two, you know, secondary. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to sell those guys short at all. Right. I think the problem that everybody has is that there's no marquee name that right. we're used to having, right. Where's the Tyron Matthew or the, you know, Patrick Peterson or, you know, whoever. Derek Stingley. Derek yeah. Stingley, who I have a great Derek Stingley story one time when we have time about when, uh, in the playoffs we played against his team. Um, but, we, you know, we don't have that marquee name guy that we're saying, you know, we're used to having this. So that guy would be a top 10 pick. So give them a chance to go out and prove themselves, right? I don't want to say, well, they're a B-rated unit. I don't know. They might be all A-plus guys. We just don't know yet. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. And but yeah, to, to your point, though, the better your front seven is and the more pressure you get, well, the less those guys have to cover. Right. And so, look, you know, right now we're judging this off of scrimmage practices, yeah, you know, which, those type of things. And if our offense is in. as expected and our wide receivers are as expected, like they're right. going against they're some supposed of the best to dominate teams. them. Right. Right. Look, you know? what, the year we made it to the dome at one of the schools, I don't know if I can say the school's names or not, whatever. Um, the first year, I'll we had a <laughs> we had a front seven that was so dominant. It was scary. And I'm telling you, in practice, if we gained a yard, I would turn to our guys and be like, yeah, that, that was good. That was good. You know, it's like if, almost every play was a negative play against those guys. They were just so good. You know, so yeah, like you said, and I mean, y'all were throwing up forty-five points on like every. Other yeah, team. then we'd go out on Friday nights and we'd rush the ball, run the ball all over the place, and be like, "I told you that play was good. We gained a yard against our guys." Right. You know, so to your point is like you can't put a whole lot of stock in scrimmages because if those guys are as elite, you know, neighbors in that 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 wide receiver room are as elite as everyone thinks they are, well, man, it's gonna be tough to stop those guys. So I wouldn't put a whole lot of stock into a scrimmage. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on that. So before we get it to Florida state, you know, what is a game? And I, I, I hate saying a game because like everybody I'm, we always want to see what we do to Alabama. I hate Alabama. I was actually driving around in my car today and listening to an LSU playlist. Cause I'm getting geared up. You know how I like to just mm -hmm. jam out to LSU songs leading into the first game. Um, and I heard this song. I hate Alabama. <laughs> it was actually written by a Tennessee fan. It's pretty funny. Uh, but nonetheless, can't pick Alabama. What's a game you're looking forward to this season? It's at Ole Miss for me. Um, I think it's the it's the one that can trip you up. Uh, I think, you know, you, you've got a coach who's extra creative offensively, and that can always like, give you problems. I low-key love Lane Kiffin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love, He's one Lane of those Kiffin. guys that, like, you hate him, except if he's your coach, then you love him. So I sort of appreciate that. I don't even um, hate him. I, I think he's yeah. hilarious. Like, like he knows how to play the off-field game. I think he's wildly creative, and he's it's one of those teams that like he he's gonna have nothing to lose, right? It's earlier in the year. Um, it's you know first SEC road game, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Is it first? Uh, no, I, we we play. Oh, we're at Mississippi State, and then our Mississippi State, so it's, the, it's and, the start of the two-game yeah. road, uh, even though it's Missouri's the next one. Um, I, I just think that's a spot. I mean, you gotta team sort of under the radar you know probably really know. pissed off for last year yeah and you don't really know what they have and that's one of those teams that comes out and then the, you know throws a halfback pass for a touchdown and then throws a double reverse in the third quarter for a touchdown and you're like how are they in this game you're like what are we doing it's like because they got nothing to lose and they're pulling all these tricks out of their you know hat and and that's the kind of coach he is and and um so i think to me that's the one you know um 
A&M at the end of the year. Like you should yeah, have that's, revenge that's on your mind. That's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at A&M. I'm but that's from a revenge factor. Yeah, but I just you know? don't like Jimbo Fisher. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, that's, but, that, that's my reason why. Like, like, and then he's got Bobby Petrino as his offensive coordinator. That which coaching might, like, staff, yeah, from that what I've might heard, is a disaster. Like, it's just, it's got like personality after personality after personality all pulling on the rope from different things. I've just, I've heard it's a disaster, but. Um, so do they last? Do they last a year? What do you think is going to happen with them? I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I don't know with his buyout you know how how deep those pockets are i know it's texas and i know it's <laughs> we'll have to edit that part out. that's cool it's real um, nice. yeah well uh i'll so, be in the so, private room before but uh, anyway back to uh texas's pockets could be deep enough at that point to buy him out or uh, you know i don't know yeah I, I do like for whatever reason i don't know if it's the midnight yell you know, the male cheerleaders and the whole white get up with no female cheerleaders on the side. I don't know. It's just weird. Texas A&M is just a weird school and they, team. And they do I their, they have traditions. They have, they have traditions, traditions and they have stuck to them. Yes, <laughs> yeah, um, very much so. I'm going to uh, give you, I'm going to give you a quick coaching thing. And yeah, I hear it. About earlier, last year, kind of look expectations. Last year, one thing I'm definitely looking forward to is our third down conversions or stops on defense. We were terrible last year, and it's the number one stat. Third downs and turnovers are the number one predictor for winning the football game. Yeah, we were talking about this. Most people think it's like time yeah, of possession, not, how, many, the, if how you, many rushing yards you have. Yeah, none that of that. Bullshit. Nothing will determine the outcome of a game better than third down conversions and turnovers. And I'm going to give you an example. Last year, right, you're like, how, how, does, how in the world does an unranked, terrible A&M team beat the hottest team in the country who's poised to, you know, make a possible run with multiple yeah. losses to the championship. We were four for 11 on third down and had one turnover, right? A&M was 10 for 15 and had zero turnovers. There you go. And that's the difference in a ball game. And I'll, I'll pull out wild examples throughout the year to prove that point to everybody. And I used to do this with my kids every week because we were heavy third down, whether it be offense or defense. Like I think last year our offense was in the top 10. Our defense was 74th in the country, which means we're not getting off the field. Right. Right. 2019 best year ever. Everyone will always remember LSU's offense fourth LSU's defense seventh. Right. It, it is the number one predictor, third down conversions. So um, I'm looking for a huge leap from the defensive side. Yeah. And third downs and getting off the field. I also think that's where the trust comes in with, and even with the tight ends, Mason Taylor building on that is, you know, those are your um, safety valves, right? Especially on third down. Yeah. You know, yeah. where I just don't think Jaden had that last year, and so he had to rely no, on No, and his he would feet. run for it, right? Try yeah, to get he would run, run for it. it. Whereas now, I think he'd get through his progressions more. Um, so, yeah, I think offensively, we were in the top 10 last year, and we were good there. I'd still look for us to even get better. Uh, but defensively, if we can improve, I think that'll be the difference between being in a college football you know, playoffs versus not. Yeah, so we got Florida State to start the year. Um that was that game was so fluky last year. It was yeah. so weird. It was so weird, and I and I was so pissed off too. <laughs> well, 
Yeah, because like you're in it and you're like, oh, all right, fine, finally, we could take a deep breath. And then the way it ends, right, with the blocked extra point, you're like, what just happened? Like, you yeah, know, that's the I mean, time, like you run to the bathroom real quick, right? And you come back and you're like, wait, we lost? Like, it's so it dumb. was weird because the first quarter, you're like, what the hell is happening? I'm pissed off. The second quarter, yeah. you're like, we're going to lose, whatever. Well, if you remember, third I mean, quarter, I think, they start to come back. <laughs> yeah, like, well, I think they threw a double reverse uh, flea flicker for yeah. a touchdown. I mean, you know, you get those kind of week one games are always a little wonky right it's your first time you're hitting somebody else um you don't really know what what you have yet and you kind of maybe have to adjust on the fly so you get these big ups and downs in a game because you go out and you think wow this really isn't working let's try this and like oh we're actually good at this yeah right so you get these late comebacks and pushes um but you see that on both sides of the ball you know and and but i love the fact that we're playing a huge week one matchup. Now I know when you do these schedules 10 years in advance, you know, whatever it is, you don't know what a team's going to be, but um, I think be careful not to hit the panic button. I think is everybody, especially. It's going to be a hard game. I think it's yeah. going to be a hard game. Like, look, it's a top 10 matchup. Like there are no, there are no dummies. Florida State's offense is good. Their defense is good. You know, their head coach, Mike Norvell, who was used to be at Memphis as the head coach and what was previously the offensive coordinator at Arizona state was the head recruiter at Arizona state state specifically for Louisiana. They had a guy specifically for Louisiana and it was him. And so him recruiting through the Southern part of Louisiana would always pop in. And as I moved schools, he, you know, and he would show up, got, got to know him a little bit, you know, enough to say hello. Hey, and he knew yeah. who I was kind of thing, but um, <clears throat> we actually flew out there one year in the off season, I sat down with him for a few days and picked his brain and watched film with him and all that kind of stuff. So I've always been a big fan of his because they were super nice to us. Um, and especially as he recruited through this area. So I'm a huge fan of Norvell. I think he, he's, he's creative. Um, they got a really good team. They got a really good quarterback, you know, with all the hype, they've got a couple of transfer receivers in as well that are supposed to be big time. Um, defensive front and very similar right their defensive front is solid um so uh, yeah you're gonna have a you're gonna have a tough matchup yeah i mean i'm looking forward to like one thing though last year we didn't know how to use harold perkins yet he wasn't on the field that no. much you know against florida state nor we did you know he, how to use daniels right and so like we're, we're going into this game and now harold perkins has a year under his belt we know how to use him uh and I honestly, he's going to be the best player on that field. There's no doubt. You know, on he's, offense, he's defense, whatever. He he is the best player on that field. And I think that is going to make the difference because, you know, Jordan Travis is a great quarterback. He's a Heisman candidate. Florida State offense is going to be good. Florida State defense is going to be good. I think the LSU offense is going to be exponentially better than last year, yeah. uh, especially with the year under the belt with Denbrock. Again, we talked about the trust. We talked about, you know, Jaden well, letting it. You're going to have a better sense of what Jaden Daniels and the offense can do now. You already know. Yeah. Right. And so week one last year, you're kind of saying, all right, well, we've had practice, but maybe it's not good. So there's a lot of running. You'll see, I, yeah, I agree. The offense is going to be way more comfortable looking. Yeah, and we, you know, and the won. big X factor to me is Harold Perkins. He was he didn't really play in that game. He, and here's my concern too. I don't want to say it's a concern, but when we talked about the DBs and and that that situation, and if you don't get to this quarterback early, <clears throat> right? And what I mean by early is like, you know, the first few three four seconds of of the play, and he gets out of the pocket, right? If that first guy misses, he and can he run. Gets out on the 
he's great with his feet. But the problem is, is now you're asking the DBs to cover longer and off script, right? right. They're not running traditional routes at that point, right? They're off script. They're in panic mode. And that's, and you've got a quarterback like they do can not only make plays with his feet, but throw the ball on the run. And that could be devastating. So I think it's important that when we do get to him, that we, we get our hands on him. Yeah. What do you, what do you look for? Like the score to be, uh, you know, it, it's always difficult, especially week one. You know, as an offensive guy, I like to see points. Um, but I, I, I also, I also love the low scoring game. Um, you know, I, it, I think I think it's less than a touchdown game. You know, I do think that both offenses will find ways to score points, um, especially maybe as the game goes on. Uh, so, you know, I wouldn't be surprised with like a 31-27 somewhere in there. I mean, Vegas probably isn't far off. Yeah, it's interesting. You know? Like I, my initial thought would be that this game would be very similar to the Alabama game um, last year, which in a way was it was in the teens starting the fourth quarter. Right. right, Like there wasn't a ton of points. And then it just kind of like broke free. I actually think you might see the reverse, whereas it's kind of wide open to start the game and then tightens up as it goes, as the defenses adjust. Uh, because I feel like the offenses are going to have advantage to kick off this season, uh, especially with the experience on uh, for both teams. But, you know, that's my personal opinion. I'm not really sure if it's going to go that's down a, like that's that. That's a valid, valid. I can't argue with anything you just said. Right. Right. So, uh, but I, I do think LSU pulls this out mostly because I think Brian Kelly uh, is going to be a difference in this game. Um, and I think Harold Perkins is going to be the difference in this game. Can't argue with any of that. Uh, and I, think, I also have purple and gold. Glasses. I was going to say, yeah, you're looking through a, <laughs> you're looking through a purple and gold lens, but there's nothing wrong with that. That's why we're here. That's why everyone's listening, right? We're not here yeah. to, to, to root for other teams, we'll probably end up picking LSU in every single game. Uh, Absolutely. You know, my scores will probably be a little bit closer than your scores and maybe a little bit more analytical. But we'll 42 probably, to nothing. Every yeah, game. no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't think we're going to get there. But uh, look, we're excited. Football's back. Uh, starts tonight, Thursday, as we're recording um, and all, all through the week. So it's a great week. And I know we're, I'm excited. You're excited. The whole LSU you know, world is excited. Let's throw this out there because I, I think – I don't know when this people are going to get a chance to listen to this, but let's just see if we're right or not. Right. I'm going to throw it out there. I think Utah beats Florida tonight. Um, even with, I, I don't know if Utah's quarterbacks actually playing tonight. I think they're, they're playing their backup. You know what? I mean, as a coach, I, I mean, they're, I don't follow them enough, so I, it's right. hard for me to weigh in. Um, but it, it's, I hate rooting for the SEC when they, I mean, against them when they. I know, me too. Like, I want to root for Florida. Yeah. I also like, like, I don't care when an SEC team plays someone out of conference. I want them to, I want, I want there to be no doubt that people, when they talk about the SEC, that's the best conference. I'm with you. I'm just like really hung up on it because I don't, I feel a certain kind of way about Billy Napier. I don't know why. Maybe it's because he was in the running for the LSU job. And then there was like a faction of LSU fans that were riding Billy Napier's jock, you know, and then they're like, oh, he's going to kill it at Florida. He didn't kill it the first right. year. And so, he's already like, on the hot seat. So and he's already on the hot seat. So no. I, I kind of, I think it's funny. I, uh, I don't know. think you're wrong. I think Utah probably wins a game just based off of, you know, sort of the, the little bit I know about them, but I hate to root against the SEC. Yeah, I'm probably going to pull for Florida. To be honest, I'm probably going to pull for Florida. Yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's going to be close. The good thing is, is I don't really care who wins. 
That's true too. You know, like you could just sit back. There's always something fun about just being able to watch a game and just enjoy. And I look at it through a different lens. You know, I'm looking at the scheme and what are the, what are the coaches thinking when they called certain stuff and the X's and O's behind it. And, you know, when the ball snapped, I stare at the offense and defensive line for like two seconds. Right. And kind of see, so um, I can just sit back and enjoy that. Yeah. You know, that's why it's tough for me to go to games. I hate going to saints games and, if I go to LSU games, like I, I need to go party for a little bit because I cannot sit in the stands and listen to Joe Fan or Bradley Schneller in the <laughs> stands next to me mauling coaches. You know, I've calmed down like, a lot more watching that's, games with you. That's I've calmed getting down. older, but uh, so. But anyway, no, I was I'm excited. Yeah. It's going to be a great weekend. Yeah, I was listening to this. I was watching these YouTube clips from different moments in the stands, and uh, one. I thought this was so funny, and I thought of you. It was the uh, two-point conversion, LSU versus Bama, when the Bama player is running off the field, and LSU is getting ready to snap it. They score, throw it to Mason Taylor, we win the game, right? But as this going on, you hear LSU fans in the background of the stand going, what are you doing? What are you, stupid? Snap the ball. You had a free play. Right. Like, <laughs> look, it's easy when you're in the stands and you got the perfect view. It's easy – when you, you know, uh, seeing things that maybe they had a kid, a, a set, an 18, 19 year old kid on the field didn't see, you know, but all I know is this, this is what these people do for a living. They sit in there away from their families, watching film, coming up with stuff. And guess what? When it doesn't work, it's because the other team has good players too. And good coaches who are doing the same thing. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like, Oh, why would you run that screen on third and that? Well, you're only saying that because it didn't work. Yeah. Had we executed, you'd be saying that was the greatest call ever. So uh, that's why I can't sit in the stands, uh, you know, nowadays. But um, anyway, it's going to be a great weekend. We'll see you guys on Sunday night. Uh, Love doing this preview pod with you, Shane. And uh, go Tigers. to To the whole season. Yeah. Go Tigers. STTDB. Ha, 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 ha.